Don't they do a great job? Amen. Ready for some word today? If you brought your Bible or your Bible app, let's read Matthew 21 today. Matthew chapter 21. This has been the the text of a series we've been in that I want to give you the last part of today. All right. Everybody ready for some more? If you're new with us today, haven't been in the other parts of this series, if you want them, they're available to you free of charge. Uh, Go to our website. You can watch. You can listen. You can download. uh, You can look at pictures, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Matthew chapter 21, verse 13 reads, And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. I don't know if we've made it a den of thieves. He was talking to them, but let's keep our guard out, right? Because this would be a possibility in our lives. But did the Lord reveal this principle? Of course, he was quoting an Old Testament verse that the house of God should be a prayer house. All right, that doesn't speak of a building per se like it did in the Old Testament temple. Now it speaks of you and me. We are the temple of the the living God, and and we are called a house of prayer. Man, we got to know how this thing works. It is very, very important for you and I to understand how this communication, this connection with God works, because He desires to do so much more than is being done, both in our lives as individuals and in the world today. It's not true that everything God wants to happen, happens. That just because he's God that everything's gonna, just going to be uh, done according to his will. If that were the case, how many know prayer would be totally unnecessary? Right. Our part, anything he told us to do would totally be unnecessary. No, there is a big part of this where the Lord has delegated responsibilities to us. And he, he needs you and I to have a relationship. When I say he needs that, for his desire for the world to be saved, for his will to be done, for people to be healed and set free and delivered. Amen. It's like, for example, I've shared this with you before and and probably not even too far back, but when individuals have heard about all the great things happening you know, in our, in our services and people being healed, and you've heard some testimonies today already, individuals have said, well, why don't I ever hear about that um, in, in my life? Why don't I ever see that in, in, the, in the place that I go, the church that I go, individual had asked. And, you know, my question is, well, how often do you guys talk about it? Well, never. Think there's a connection. I mean, just to have the idea that God's just going to do whatever he wants to do independent of us is incorrect, all right? He needs us to talk to him. He needs us to take him at his word. He needs us to put him first place. He needs us to focus and discuss the things that he gave us. When we do, there he is. And he moves, and, and just like has been happening, it's happening in this service now. And there's a move of the Spirit of God, and he will give you answers. He'll give you light where there's darkness. Confusion will be dispelled. Pains and problems and lumps and bumps and all kinds of things will disappear right in our midst while we're having church. Say, so, well, how do you know that's going to happen? Well, just because I said it would happen. <laughs> What's that? Well, that sounds kind of, uh, are you sure that it works that way? I am. I am. Not by my power, or my goodness, or my ability. I couldn't heal a, a, a fly, you know, a fly's wing or a gnat's eyeball. But I couldn't do a thing. 
But I, I found this out. I found something out about him is when you look to him, when you acknowledge him, when you, when you say what he says, here he goes, doing what he wanted to do the whole time. Amen. Now, uh, talking about prayer, we, we, we began this, this series and one of the verses I pointed out to you in, in the start was the time when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples and he was prepping for the cross. Remember some serious prayer time. He left his disciples in one place and he went a stone's throw over to another location. He started praying. He'd come back and find them sleeping. And then say, so couldn't, uh, well, here's, here's what he said just to remind you of, of Matthew 26, 40. He came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Could you not watch with me what? One hour. And then he'd go back and pray and he'd come back and they'd be sleeping. And, uh, you know, I know some have taken that verbiage there and, and taught messages that every person should pray for an hour every day. I don't know that he's necessarily setting that as, you know, a, a, a standard and saying you have to do that. I don't think it would be a bad thing by any means, but I'm not here telling you you have to pray for an hour every day or you have to do things a certain way like that. I mean, God forbid I would ever tell you what to do. Uh, but I would ask, I'd ask questions. Is there ever a time when you would pray an hour? I mean, is there ever a time? And if there's never a time, I, I don't know, I'm asking questions like, uh, how can we experience God's fullness and best if we, because we'll give an hour to a whole bunch of stuff, won't we? I mean, we'll give an hour to a whole lot of things in life that don't matter at all. And, and for a person to never give an hour to the things of God and seeking his face, that just doesn't seem like it's right. Amen. I know the scriptures talk about, we referenced earlier on about there are postures and positions of, you know, lifting your hands and kneeling and all this kind of stuff that is right ways of expressing our worship and prayer to the Lord. And, you know, I'm not saying you have to lift your hands or have to, to, to bow and, and, and kneel before God, but I would ask you the same question. Is there ever a time when you would? Is there ever a time? So I'm saying, I don't have to do that to, to uh, I don't have to do that to pray. Okay, fine. Is there ever a time when you would do that, though? I mean, would you ever kneel before the Lord? Would you ever lift your hands up toward heaven? Would you ever worship Him with this physical bodily expression? I mean, I think that's a good question to see where we are and, and, and locate our heart. Uh, amen. Amen. And so my goal in, in all of this and in what we've taught previously and what I'm continuing today is, is I really want to get everyone to pray effectively. Pray and pray effectively. Do so with results. I know some individuals are motivated simply by learning the keys to effective prayer. And they realize, really? I just need to do this, this, and this? And, and I got that. And you're all in. And you're already seeing success. And you're seeing results take place in your life and the lives of others. Uh, some people just need to know why. And I think I've given you some of those. Why, why should we? Why should we take the time? Why should we invest our lives into this relationship with God? And, and you, as soon as you know why, you're all after it. You're all over it. Um, but I think instead of focusing on what we have to do, what we don't have to do, let's get busy with doing things that work, okay? I really, I really like to produce results. And I don't want to spend any time in prayer if things aren't changing. 
And, and, and if that's the case, I'm doing it wrong. I'm approaching it in the incorrect way. I need to go back and seek his face and, and read his word and, and study these things that we have. And so I can actually be a change agent in the earth. I think it's time for us to change the world. I think there's people out there that have prayed and here we are. I know people have prayed for me and here I am not, not messing up my life and doing stupid things, huh? Could be. <laughs> Thank God someone prayed for me. Thank God someone intervened. Someone gave me the truth. Someone spoke into my life. Amen. And there are so many people that are just waiting on someone to, to get in there and, 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 and spend some time and learn. I tell you, is it, is it worth it to learn how to, how to, how to hit a driver 300 down, yards down the, the, the fairway, right up the middle? Totally worth it, right? <laughs> Is, is, it, is, it, is it worth it to, to learn how to do some of the things you do and be, you know, become skilled in a, in a hobby, a practice, even business? I mean, some of these things are worth it, and we joke around with it. But I tell you, something that's worth more than any of this is to learn how to have a relationship with God where it produces things in your life. It's not just religious. I'm not just following a system and going and following the rules and going to church every Sunday and just kind of going through that motion. No, this really works for me. This is really producing change in my life and other people around me. I'll tell you, that's worth it. If you'll take lessons how to get your golf swing fixed, if you'll take lessons doing some other things that you enjoy doing in life, well, we're here taking lessons today, I guess, aren't we? I mean, but let's pour ourselves into this thing so we we can become effective prayers and and get things done. Look with me at at the the book of Psalms today. In fact, the, the 100th, 100th, 100th. How do you say that? Psalm 100. Psalm 100. And I want to share with you, this is a real powerful principle about what we should do first. What we should do first. I'll explain as we go, but let's read verse 1. Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. So, so is, is the Lord okay with noise? Yeah, well, we're instructed to shout. <laughs> Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Is that different than serve the Lord with sadness? Yeah. With gladness, come before His presence with complaining. I mean, excuse me, come before His presence with crying. Come before His presence with what? Singing. With singing. How do I approach Him? Singing. Yeah. Some said I don't really sing very well. You do in the Lord's ears. There's an auto-tuner between you and heaven. I'm pretty sure. Because He's the one who told everyone this. Was He a glutton for punishment or what? Lord, you sure you want everyone to sing? Uh, <laughs> obviously, some sing really well and some not so well, but we're all told to sing. We're not all told to record, right? <laughs> not all, t- <laughs> but we're all told to sing. That tells me this comes from the heart. What's he talking about? Coming before him with singing, with praise, with adoration, with a song from your heart. And I tell you, it is beautiful to the Lord when you sing from your heart. Amen. Uh, verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are the people 
and the sheep of his pasture. Know who you're talking to. Your creator. Verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Amen. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now I want you to consider this principle. How do we go in? What do we do first? What's supposed to be the first thing out of your mouth when you have a conversation with God? Here's a good, here's a good suggestion. It's biblical. It's right. Start with thanks. Start with praise. It can be in the form of song. We see that in there too. But I start off by giving Him honor, by giving Him glory, by being thankful for everything He has done for me. Amen. This is the will of God. Uh, This precedes now making requests. I mean, very common. We might think, hey, we got a situation. Well, let's seek God. Let's pray and ask the Lord to intervene and help in this situation. So we immediately say, Father, you know the problem. You know the situation. And we immediately hit the problem. We immediately start describing and talk about, talking about and then seeking request for him to intervene in the problem. No thanksgiving, no praise, no happy, no rejoicing, no you are God, you are creator of heaven and earth, you are my creator, you, huh? None of that, just straight to the problem. And, and I think that's a problem. I think that is a hindrance to an effective prayer life. Everybody with me today? People often lead with the problem. And usually the greater portion of their time, their communion with the Lord, all revolves around what's wrong. Revolves around the problem. Uh, But listen, if we will learn to magnify the Lord, our problems will become much smaller in that process. Sometimes individuals are are conscious of and thinking about their faith, their problem, and their faith. And they feel insufficient. They feel like they're they're not ready for this. I tell you, one, let me remind you of this principle. Faith never looks at itself, just like your eyeball. Faith looks at the, it's supposed to look at the answer. Look to the one. We, we, We don't, our faith isn't strong by analyzing itself. Our faith is strong by pointing it in the right direction. All right? And so, and so we want to approach the Lord and we want to pray by magnifying Him. What happens? Well, in the light of Him, and I, we say magnifying the Lord. How many know He's not really getting bigger? He's not bigger or smaller based upon what we do. But our view of Him absolutely changes. When I start off with praise and thanksgiving, declaring who he is, what happens to my problem? That thing that seems so big all of a sudden is seen in proper perspective to our great God. And I'm looking at the problem thinking, we're laughing now. huh? But if we go right in to prayer, we're immediately talking about the problem. The problem is getting bigger in us. God is not. I want him to get bigger in me. Therefore, when I deal with the problem, what, where, where's my faith? Man, it's through the roof already because that problem is minuscule compared to the creator. You with me today? And see, what, what, say, it sounds like we're working on us. 
Well, we're not working on God. We're thanking him. We're praising him. We're giving him the glory he deserves. Yeah, but we are working on ourselves. We are adjusting our perspective. We're looking at things like he looks at that, at them. That's why then we get to the asking part and we can easily accept everything. Every prayer is answered. We can easily accept whatever you ask you receive. You see how that's different? Okay. Uh, other examples in scripture. The disciples one day uh, asked the Lord how to, how to pray. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. Remember the first thing he said? He said, say this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Not, not, not that he talked about getting your needs met and your daily bread and all this kind of stuff later. But he started off. It's just a little simple, little short prayer. He started off by them giving glory to him. Magnifying the Lord. You are holy. You are this. And declaring that. If you read um, over in Acts chapter 4. You read after the early church. The disciples, the apostles were threatened to not speak in the name of the Lord. And they got amongst their own company. And they began to pray. Corporate prayer. United prayer. They lifted up their voice together. You know what they said? First thing out of their mouth was Lord. This is Acts 4.24. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. I mean they were severely being threatened. Threatened of jail. And they've been uh, all, this, all these attacks against them. And they get together. And what do they do? You are God. What do they do? You're the creator. You are the master. You're the maker of the universe. You are the author. You know, I'm adding to their prayer. But uh, obviously we don't have the whole thing anyway. We just have the gist of it. But they, they started with magnifying God. Acknowledging who he is. And, and what he can do. And, and that type of thing. Everybody with me today? I think this will, this, see, this will take your prayer life and shoot it up like a rocket. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll, it'll, ch- it'll change the position you are praying from. L- look with me over at Colossians today. Colossians, that's New Testament. Colossians chapter 2. See, there, there is a real tie, a real connection between faith and thanksgiving. There's a real association between believing the right thing and praising and worshiping God. When we have the one in order, it enhances the other. When we have our life of thanksgiving and praise and acknowledgement of Him in place, faith is enhanced. And that's what was taught here over in Colossians chapter 2. Notice with me verse 6. As you therefore... Have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, now think about that for a moment. As you have received Him, how was that? How did you receive the Lord? Well, you received Him by faith. You believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You confessed with your mouth that He was Lord. And according to Romans chapter 10, you were saved. Salvation became a permanent possession of your life. How'd you do that? By a feeling? No. By sight? No. You did it by faith. You accepted it. And it produced something amazing and eternal in your life. All right? So as you receive the Lord, so walk in Him. In other words, the same way that you got that, you need to live that every single day of your life. In other words, continue to live by faith. And that's what the Scripture says, the just shall live 
by faith. Not just get saved by faith. Not just pray by faith. Live by faith. Huh? And, and, and a side note to that, if I'm living my life completely by sight and by feelings and all my choices and decisions are made based upon my circumstances, how I feel at the moment, how many understand that when I go to prayer, that's not really me? Meaning, I'm going to pray a prayer of faith now. I live totally carnal, a carnal life in the flesh, in the natural, in this world, but when I go to pray, I'm going to be spiritual. You see how that's a contradiction? You see, that's, that's why prayer is difficult for some. They live one way, then they make a little switch, and now I'm going to do, now I'm going to do spiritual stuff. Uh, I live in the flesh, my world, my world, it's all about the natural world, uh, and then I'm going to go be spiritual and pray. No, if you live in the Spirit, and if you'll commune with God, and if you'll have a faith-filled life, prayer will be natural to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, let me just let me just say this while I'm talking about that. We'll we'll get back to that verse. Uh, there was this guy. In fact, I wrote a couple of things down. There was this guy. Maybe you've heard of him. He lived in the 1600s, and he was he was a cook at a monastery. Okay, and then he did some things with shoes and stuff. He's just working this. But he had something working in him. This guy they call him Brother Lawrence. All right, I don't know if you've ever read about him. And uh, maybe you've ever heard, maybe if you've ever heard this, this term, this phrase, practice the presence, all right, that's attributed to, to him, all right. Now, and he, he had this thing working in him. He decided that he wanted to develop his life, his spiritual life in a certain way where he would think, where, to where he would think about God all the time. I don't know if you've ever tried that, to think about God all the time. Now, he wasn't just, you know, like he had uh, nothing to do. He, he had a job. He was working. He was doing natural stuff like most people do. So someone said, oh, I could never do that. Well, this is what his life was, and he determined to, to do that. And so he would, I don't know, this, these are my words, but force himself. He would make himself think about the Lord all the time, and he was put his mind on the Lord to make himself conscious of God's existence in his life all the time. And what happened is he succeeded in that to where uh, he, he, made some, he made some statements that are, that are very interesting to me. He, he felt that it was a great delusion to think that the times of prayer ought to differ from other times. A delusion. Uh, when appointed times of prayer were passed, in other words, prayer services like we would call a prayer meeting, uh, when those times were passed, he said he found no difference. There was no difference in his life in the prayer time and out of the prayer time. And he developed himself to that end. And he was asked, of course, how, you know, how did you do this and how did you get here and he said, by rising after my falls and by frequently renewed acts of faith and love, I am come to a state wherein it would be as difficult for me to not think of God as it was at the first to accustom myself to it. And so at the beginning, he struggled with this. 
he struggled to, because he was like most people in the world, just thinking naturally. And he struggled to keep his mind on the Lord. And it was hard. And he said, but, I, but now, it's the other way around. I can't not think about him. I mean, to think about a, that, that that would be a possibility for all of us. That if we tried to not have communion with him, we tried to stop thinking about the Lord in everything, it would be very difficult. We'd have to force ourselves to stop thinking about the Lord. He got to that place. Isn't that amazing? Maybe you want to practice. Hmm. Colossians 2 said, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Verse 7, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. We have this on the screen. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. Abounding in what? Abounding in faith. There's a real connection Can you guys put that back on the screen? There's a real connection with faith and thanksgiving. How do I... Oh, sorry. I told you to turn to that, didn't I? Good for you. Good for you guys too. Bad on me. (laughs) Abounding in it with thanksgiving. What? My faith is propped up. It is abounding when I... Focus on thanksgiving. You see how it would be inappropriate? It would, it would not be correct if, if I spent, uh, you know, 10 minutes praying. And at the end I said, and thank you, Lord. Amen. You see how that's out of balance? That's not, that's not, how am I going to abound in faith if that's the way I approach the Lord? Here's another thought. If you're going to pray for 10 minutes, I don't take this as a law or a rule, but if you're going to pray for 10 minutes, worship and give him thanks and praise for nine. And then ask it, then make your request in the last minute. You see how that would be opposite of what usually happens, but way better. Way better. I mean, think about it. You just sat there and you gave him thanks for his promises, for what, he, what he's done for you, for Jesus, for, all, for his love, for his mercy, his faithfulness. You just gave him thanks and praise. And at the end, you made your request. Amen. I think that's a whole, that's a whole new prayer life. I think that's a whole different result. That's a whole other way to look at some of these things. Amen. Praise is faith. Whenever you got your praise on, whenever you got your shout on, you got your thanksgiving on, that is faith expressed. Especially if it's done with a smile. If you're smiling, hallelujah, glory to God, and you're giving him thanks, that is one of the highest expressions of faith you can ever have. All right? Complaining is a symptom of doubt. Yeah. But here's the thing. The more revelation we have of redemption, what's been purchased for us by Jesus on the cross, the less our prayers of petition for ourselves exist. The more we know, now watch, did you get that? The more revelation we have, 
we come to a point where we're not even needing to ask so many things that people are asking for themselves. Because you'll just go, thank you, Lord. I have that. Thank you, Lord. It's done. And you go on your way living by faith. Your your prayer life is almost forced into a mode of, I'm going to either be given a lot of thanks and praise or I don't have anything to say. Unless we're praying again for others and then then we have requests to be made known uh, to be made for others. Um, But again, uh, we are praying from a position of victory. Do you know there's a, man, I wish I had more time now. Do you know there's a, a big difference between Old Testament and New Testament? There's a huge difference in how people relate to God before the cross and after the cross. And thank God, wasn't by any of our doing, but here we are after. I don't know if you realize that, this, but this is good news. For us to be here now at this time already redeemed from death and hell and been given a seat above with Jesus in heavenly places. We've been given authority over the enemy. We've been given victory. Listen, we are not in a position today where we are defeated trying to obtain victory. Even if you've been run over in life and you've got a lot of issues and things that have been that you've been struggling with, I want to know you to know in Christ you are victorious. It's a fact. It is done. If you haven't received the Lord, you can pray and get in today. All right. And, but you are then on the victory side. I'm not praying as a defeated person. Listen, for the Christian, for the believer, I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed appropriating the rights of my redemption. Okay. I am not the poor trying to make it through, get my bills paid. No, I am joint heirs with Christ. All that he has is mine. I'm simply appropriating the work of the cross. This position we pray from is one of victory. It's, it's one where Jesus has already defeated the enemy. So when we go to pray, what do we say? Thank you. We are acknowledging our creator and our redeemer and the redemption that has been purchased for us with Jesus' blood. By the time we get done with that, we might even forget what we went in to ask him for. And get up healed and get up with joy and get up with supply and get up with an answer. Hallelujah. See, we got to watch out for this temptation to revert back into I don't have anything. I'm defeated. I'm a worm of the dust and nothing's... Nothing's available. Uh, prayers, we're always praying for more of God. He gave you his, his, his whole self. Prayers where we're praying, Holy Spirit, come. He already came. Heaven, come. It's here. Amen. Th- these things have already taken place, but it is simply our lack of revelation and our lack of regularly acknowledging what he has already done that keeps it distant and absent from our daily experience. Amen. And that's why if we go in, find something to thank him for. Amen. There was a time in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were thrown into the innermost prison. They were beaten they were their hands and feet were in stocks they were in a nasty place and the scripture says over there in Acts 16 that at midnight they prayed 
and sang hymns or praises to God. So much so that the prisoners around them were all listening. They could hear them, so they weren't being real quiet. They're praying. I mean, they're beat up. They're in a rough situation. This is a bad deal. What were they doing? They're singing and worshiping God. You know, praise is prayer. Praise is maybe the highest type of prayer. Uh, But it is, they're, they're, they're singing, hallelujah, glory to God, you have set us free. You are our victory. I don't know what they were singing, but they weren't in gloom and despair. They were singing praise. They were glorifying the name of the Lord. What happened in the midst of that? Anybody know? There was an earthquake. Yeah, there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. All the doors were open, and they got out. So I I need a prison break in my life. I I need some earth-shaking activity from heaven. There's a a recipe right there. I want to get your praise on. Instead of praying and, and talking about the problem and magnifying the situation, let's start magnifying Him. Let's glorify Him. And it, you might find out before you ever get to the request that the bands are already off you, that the prison cells have already opened up, that what Jesus purchased for you on the cross is now manifesting right in your very midst, right in your very life for you to see and experience. But this is what we do first. And I would add this, this is what we do most. Surround it, your prayer, with praise and thanksgiving. And end it with praise and thanksgiving. And all through your day, just focus on Him. And I tell you, there's a, there's, I think it's worth the effort to force our minds into thinking certain ways. Acknowledge Him in the sunset. Acknowledge Him in the light turning green. Acknowledge Him. (laughs) I'm just looking for an excuse to get my mind on God. Acknowledge Him in the front parking spot. In the deal on the groceries that you went to buy. Whatever. In addition to healing and and other things like that. and uh, Look for an excuse to keep Him on your mind. Acknowledge Him and not acknowledge problems. Amen. Amen. Not get your attention on on what's not working. Your attention should be only on Him. Amen. 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 And this will help us, our prayer lives, to just take off. Man, I I, I sense in here some people want to go try this out. I can't wait to go praise Him for 10 minutes and ask Him for one. Amen. And see how things start to manifest in your life. Father, today I thank you for working in hearts and lives. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the abundance of your provision in every person. Now, now, Father, we acknowledge you, creator of heaven and earth. You are our shepherd. We are the sheep of your pasture. We follow you and acknowledge you in all our ways and we thank you that you are able and you are faithful and you do all things well and you're able to do what no man can do in impossible situations you excel and thank you father for working in every single life today we thank you for our redemption for jesus has made us free we thank you thank you that we have been given Not by our works, but we've been given the victory. Now it's our present tense possession. 
we hold it, every single one of us. And we live with you. Thank you for working in us today. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you the thanks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just Let's do this for a moment. Just, uh, just go ahead and, and, and do some of this with me. Amen. Just, just thank Him. Just acknowledge Him. Just thank Him. Give Him praise. Thank Him for things you have and for things you have. Things you have in the physical realm. Things you have in the spirit. Things you have in redemption. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We acknowledge you today. We give you glory and praise. Thank you for our healing. Thank you for our provision. Thank you that you are the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you that you are El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. You provide our every need. You fill us with your sufficiency. You are the most excellent one. We honor you. We bless you. We praise you and glorify your name. Thank you for working in us today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your Holy Spirit who has been given to us to indwell us, to be our teacher, to be our guide, to be our helper, to show us things to come, to give us answers and to remind us of things that Jesus has said. We thank you for the great and mighty Holy Spirit. We acknowledge you today, Father. Thank you for working in us. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. You've been, if you've been struggling with issues in your eyes, maybe it's your seeing, maybe it's something else related to that, but just lay your hands on your eyes today and let the Spirit of God right now just go right through your hands and then into your eyeballs, and into the lens, into the, all the stuff in there. In Jesus' name, I command these eyes to open up and see command all the issues and troubles to leave these bodies now perfect vision near and far thank you Lord in Jesus name you make them well we acknowledge it we give you praise we give you thanks that it's done in Jesus precious name hallelujah thank you Lord oh God is good I love his presence amen I love the fact that he's here I love that he's working in our lives continually, continually, again and again and again and again. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's always there, always, here, now, and everywhere. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. I just love his presence. Mm-hmm. Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the thanks. We give you the glory. Well, God is good. Amen. How many already? How many can tell a difference in your, in, your, in your eyes? Something changed in your eyes. We pray, bam, bam, bam. Right down there. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Another one right over there. Wait. Awesome. God is good. God is good.